Well, I have something to admit to all of you guys. I have severe stage fright, <laughs> like severe stage fright. And you might not believe me, but I'm making it a little spicier right now by not having my trusty podium. I don't know if you've noticed that. It's straight see-through. It doesn't really help anybody, but for me, it makes me feel like I'm hiding behind something. And I also don't have a mic today, which basically means I'm terrified of like what these hands will do while I'm speaking. I at least have one hand kept and the other hand is just like flipping things and doing things. So I have no idea what I'm gonna do today. That's a disclaimer. I'm telling you this for a couple of reasons. I promise I'll get into that. But if you really don't trust me that I have stage fright, you can ask that guy over there. He's got tons of stories. For those of you watching online or for those in the room that don't know who we are, that's my husband, Justin. And uh, he'll love retelling any story you, <laughs> you ask him to. But I'm gonna beat him to the punch on this story because it's probably my most insane example of stage fright. Just like, just out of control, just utter panic, um, and I just feel like it's, it's gonna paint the picture real nice for you. So the scene was Nashville circa 2015, and our band Same City, Justin and I are in a band together called Same City, we were in a, in a showcase. It was like this industry showcase for this conference we were going to, and pretty much that just meant that we were supposed to be critiqued and judged by these industry executives and these producers. I mean, if that isn't stressful enough for somebody with stage fright, let's just add that level of, we found out the night before this guy named Tom Jackson was going to manipulate us on stage to be more entertaining and engaging. We were gonna be guinea pigs. And so you can imagine just like the, the sheer terror I was feeling. All night I couldn't sleep. Now you know what happens during my sermon weeks. All, every night, every week, I'm just like, I can't sleep, God help me sleep. And so I just couldn't sleep, I couldn't do anything. And we get there and I'm just pacing in the backstage, like just, I can't handle it. And I'm just gonna tell you every symptom I have before I get on stage so that you really believe what I'm saying. I was pacing and pacing, so anxious. My heart is racing a million mi miles a minute. Lots of dry heaving, some not so dry heaving. If you catch my drift, TMI, I know. Lots of bathroom breaks, won't go into that. Just as many symptoms as you can imagine <laughs> is what I was feeling. But the worst part of all of that was what I was doing to my fellow bandmates. Like, I couldn't keep my hands off them. I was digging my nails into their skin. I was like, I don't know what to do. I'm just gonna lose it. I can't handle this stress. And they were like, Hannah, you've gotta calm down. Like, we can't handle this anymore. Like, you're making us nervous. These guys are immovable. Like, they're, they don't get nervous. Even my husband, like, he gets a little nervous. He'll be like, Hannah, I do get nervous but not like me. And so if you don't believe stage fright is contagious, just hang around me a little bit before I go on stage and I think you'll start to feel anxious too. So I'm just digging my nails and stressing them out. Obviously we do it, it's, it's fine. I don't look nervous on stage, I'm losing my mind. Now I don't exactly know why I have stage fright. Like I, I don't really know if it's a fear of failure, if it's a fear of, just looking incompetent in front of a large crowd, if I'm, if I'm worried to make a mistake. I'm not really sure what it is that just drives me that way. But I think really I'm asking questions like, why am I called to do something that terrifies me so much? Like, why, why is this my profession, right? And maybe you aren't asking the same questions today. Maybe it's not that you're wondering, um, you know, why your profession is something that makes you scared or stage fright is something that you're not actually dealing with, but maybe you're asking some of the same questions. 
Maybe you're wondering why fear just seems to have this grip on you. Maybe you're wondering why you have this, this fear of failure, that you're wondering, what, what can I do more to receive love more, to be accepted more? Maybe those are some questions you're asking. Maybe you have this incessant need like me to prove myself. Maybe you've struggled with that, and I have great news for you today because we're in church. You can probably see this coming. We're going to open up the Bible, and we're going to find some truths there. First century Gentile Galatian believers were struggling with the same exact thing we are struggling with today. The same anxieties, the same fears, different context, different experience. But Paul's writing to these people, and he's saying, listen, you were saved by grace. Why are you dabbling in the Jewish customs? You were never Jewish, but you're trying to add these laws on. You're trying to talk about things like circumcision as if that saves you when you already accepted grace through Christ. Why are you going back to the old way? That's the equivalent of living like a slave in your own father's home. Instead of living like a child who's dearly loved and has access to all his resources and his inheritance, you're living like a slave. So this is where we pick up today in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. I'm going to take a drink of water. Now you guys are going to know all my nervous tics. Water is one of them. It's just part of the show, you know. All right, so verse 26, For in Christ Jesus you are all children of God through faith. As many of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female. For all of you are one in Christ Jesus. Did you catch that? That is like the great equalizer verse. That's the verse that's leveling the playing field. It means that it doesn't matter what I do or who I am. It doesn't make me any better or worse than you. It doesn't make us better than our neighbor or worse or more loved by and accepted by God. We are all equals. Verse 29, and if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. My point is this, heirs as long as they are minors are no better than slaves, though they are owners of the property. But they remain under guardians and trustees until the date set by the Father. So with us, while we were minors, we were enslaved to the elemental spirits of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as God's children. And because you are children, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a child, and if a child, then also an heir. So by being this heir, like, we have access to the Father's resources. We have access to his power, to his peace, to his safety. We have prosperity. We have these resources, but I don't think we stop enough to, to recognize that access. Formally, verse 8, when you did not know God, you were enslaved to beings that by nature are not God's. Now, however, when you have come to know God, or rather be known by God, how can you turn back to the beggar, weak and beggarly elemental spirits? How can you want to be enslaved to them again? You are observing special days, months, seasons, and years. I'm afraid that my work for you may have been wasted. Now, I have to admit, when we read verse 10, my heart stopped a little bit. I was like, oh no, I love to celebrate. Like, I love Christmas. I love any amount of celebrating. But thankfully, that's not what Paul is saying here. He's saying, again, why are you trying to follow the rules and be loved that way? Why aren't you resting in this grace? Paul is ultimately saying, 
Stop trying to prove yourself. Stop trying to prove yourself. So I think I've, I've solved my stage fright dilemma. I mean, not really. I mean, I, th- I think it's not quite as easy as just being like, Hannah, you got it. Go get them. You're, you're a child of God. You can do this. But it is that easy too, right? Most of the time, we just don't do it. I think ultimately what I'm getting from this passage is because I am a child of God, I no longer have to prove myself. Because I'm a child of God, I no longer have to prove myself. And if I no longer have to prove myself, then the pressure's off. And if the pressure's off, I can keep on living for God in every area of my life, joyfully submitting to him and loving this world. Here's the thing, when I go on stage, there are a million thoughts racing through my mind. But all of them mostly revolve around fear or failure. So instead of trying to to prove myself or to, to be loved by other people or by God, why don't I just start asking the questions that if, if I'm following God, if I'm loving and obeying him, if I'm trusting in him, if I'm resting in his grace, then what's the worst that can happen? I mean that. What's the worst that can happen? I mean, there are a lot of really terrible things that could happen. Like, I could have walked out here and tripped immediately, fell on my face, looked up, seen all you guys laughing. You're like, no, we're too nice for that. But you would have at least been snickering. I could be choking on my saliva, which I've probably done 10 times already. I'm very scared that this mic would catch some burping, some other things. Sean reassured me so many times this morning, it's all going to be good. You're going to be fine with the headset. But there are so many really embarrassing things that could happen. But ultimately, because of my identity in Christ, I no longer have to prove myself. I'm a child of God. I am an heir with Christ. And if that's the case, then at the end of the day, I'm going to be okay. So I'm asking you, what's the worst that could happen? And I'm not saying this is a comfortable question to ask. It's going to take you to some severely uncomfortable places. But in those uncomfortable places, when you follow God, you're going to find some crazy, amazing things, and you're going to impact this world for Christ. So maybe it's asking today, what's the worst that could happen? I met this new friend, a cashier, a barista, and I want to share Jesus with her. Not in a pushy way, but in a way that's like, I love Jesus, and I can't help it. It's spilling out. What happens when you stumble over your words? What happens when you want to invite a new family over from church because you know they're new and you know they don't know anyone yet, but you're like, oh, no, I didn't leave my house spotless. I got to go home and clean it. I got to make it look spotless and amazing. What's the worst that can happen if you invite them over anyway? What's the worst that can happen when you, you decide you want to start bringing up really hard topics like racism and privilege, but you don't know where to start and you're scared you're going to mess it up? What's the worst that can happen? What's the worst that can happen when you feel misunderstood and misrepresented? But at the end of the day, what's the worst that can happen when you are his? What opportunities has God given you that just scare you, that scare you so much? Maybe it's a job you're too insecure to go after. Maybe it's a move that seems really scary and impossible. Maybe you don't know Jesus, and this churchy, this Jesus thing is just scary and confusing, and Christians have let you down in the past, but you're searching. First of all, if that's you online or here, I'm so glad you're with us. What's the worst that can happen? 
maybe you're looking in the mirror for the first time and you're able to just see a child of God and you're able to understand what that really means for you. Here's the thing, when, when we think thoughts like, I'm not measuring up, I'm a failure, I can't do it perfectly, I'm not good enough, what we're really experiencing is an identity crisis. We've started forgetting whose we are, and instead we're putting our hope and our futures into the wrong things. When we lean into our identities in Christ, it means fear has no place here. It means I begin to accept who I am, who God made me to be, and you begin to accept who God made you, and we're all okay with who God made each other. It means stage fright has no place in the kingdom of God. Gender reveal parties are a very strange phenomenon, and I'm not exactly um, against them because we did it with Henry. I think it's really fun. But I think it's interesting because I think we focus a lot on the gender of our babies. I think we just, for some reason, culturally, we just get so excited about that. And the question I want to pose is, do we actually care that much about our child's gender? And what I mean by that is Justin and I really wanted a girl at first. We don't really know why. I came off of a really scary experience with nannying two young boys that were a little spoiled. I love them to death. In case there's any way in the world they are listening, I do love them to death and I want the best for them. But it scared me and it scared Justin because he experienced it too. And we, we just had this vision of a girl. And when we found out it was a boy, it was a little bit, <laughs> Henry's like sitting over there like, thank you. We found out like, <laughs> it took us a couple days to process. I don't know if that's happened to any of you guys when you have this vision of who, who it is. And if, these, if this sermon ever resurfaces for Henry, I'm just going to believe the truth will set you free. It's okay. I don't have to say too much other than that. But Henry might be like, thanks, Mom. I really appreciate that. Obviously, we eventually fell in love with the idea of a boy. We love, we love our son. But what was interesting is after he was born, we never really thought about his gender again. Like, of course, there's some gender logistics. There's things, you know, you're given gendered clothes, all of that stuff. But what I mean by that is... His gender didn't define him. Like, I didn't wake up every single morning being like, oh, my word, thank goodness it's a boy. I can't imagine anything else, you know? But I did wake up every morning and just feel like it was Christmas because I loved my son so much. And I couldn't imagine if God hadn't put him in my life. We loved our child, but his gender didn't define him. Henry was perfect just the way he was. We loved him because he was ours. So before you go to lunch and you start talking about really weird things, you're like, Pastor Hannah said this, it was a little funky. I'm just going to throw this out there and hope you're tracking with me. In the kingdom of God, praise God that gender holds no power. And you know what else holds no power? Authority and position. Race. Skin color. There is no slave or free, we are all free in the kingdom of God. There is no Jew or Gentile, we are all equal children of God. And what that means for us today is that we can just rest. We can see that our failures don't define us. Nothing defines us other than the fact that Jesus died on the cross for us. If you feel like a failure, or maybe you're afraid to take that next big step that you know God is laying on your heart. Maybe you're just really unsure about Jesus to begin with. 
God wants every single one of us to know that we're not defined by the ways we mess up. We're not defined by what we do or what we don't do. We're not defined by our gender or our position. We're defined by what Christ did for us on the cross. It's grace over works. It's adoption over production. It's Jesus' sacrifice over our legalism and what we can do. It's our identity as children of God over what anyone else can think about us. It's my identity as a child of God over what anyone in this room can think of me right now. And that gives me hope. I want you to do one thing for me today, and it might seem really simple, it might seem super elementary, really silly, but I want you to go home and I want you to just, any piece of paper you find, any scrap, just write, my name is Hannah and I'm a child of God. Obviously, don't write Hannah. I don't think it'll work that way. Write your name. And I want you to put that piece of paper everywhere you can see it. So whether that's the bathroom mirror, that's your bedside table, I want you to just be able to see that every single day this week. And I want you to be able to take the time and meditate on those words. Bask in that truth, in that new title that you have as a child of God. And I want you to ask Jesus every single day when you look at that picture, fill me with your spirit of truth and confidence that comes in these words. What would happen this week? If each of us truly lived out our identities in Christ, what would happen in Brockville if we all of a sudden didn't care about competition, we didn't care about comparison, but instead we reveled in our equal inheritance, our shared inheritance together? What if we didn't feel the need to brag about our strengths or fret about our weaknesses? What if we started to treat our spouses like our equals our children as just as important or more important than our bosses, our neighbors as our best friends. Some of you guys are like, you have not met my neighbor. You have no idea what I'm dealing with. But really, what would happen? I think this community would change. I think this world would start to change if we truly accepted the identity that we have in Christ. I think there would be more people in the kingdom of God. I think there would be less poverty. There would be less injustice. There would be more songs of celebration. There would be reconciliation. You know, last night, while I was nursing June before I put her to bed, you know, that's my quiet time. That's like, oh, wow, I can think, which is sometimes not good for me because I overthink a lot. And I remember just nursing her, and it just all came in, right? It all flooded in. I'm not prepared. I don't know what to do. I'm going to say the wrong thing. What if I have stage right? What if I have a breakdown right on stage? What if I burp into the mic? <laughs> and all those thoughts are just flooding my mind. And I'm like, God, I know you gave me this to speak this week because it hits me so hard. Because I struggle with this. And I prayed, God, give me a spirit of peace Give me a sound mind. And I also said, let me be able to rest in that identity that I'm literally preaching about on stage. Let me rest in that because of my identity in Christ, I no longer have to prove myself. Help me to ask the questions, what's the worst that can happen? A tear right there, a tear right here. See, I'm just going to point it out and I just call it out. But what's the worst that can happen? 
Because of my identity in Christ, I no longer have to prove myself. Because of your identity in Christ, you no longer have to prove yourself either. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you that we can come to you. Thank you that you have given all of us dreams and visions and passions. Thank you that you know every single person in this room and every single person watching online. Thank you that you know our stories, that you empathize with us. Lord, thank you for seeing us, for walking beside us. Lord, I pray that every person in this room would leave church today feeling like a weight is lifted off their shoulder because they no longer have to prove themselves. They don't have to do more to be loved more. They are just loved by you so deeply and richly, and that means they can do anything. So Jesus, I pray your spirit over this entire room, over everyone watching online, and Lord, I just pray that you would meet us where we are, that we would lift our eyes and look to you, that we would rest in our identities. Jesus, we are just so thankful for you. We are so thankful we can call you Abba, Father, that we can run to you. Give us strength, give us courage, give us excitement and passion as we follow through with the things you're laying on our hearts. We love you and we praise you in your name. Amen.